Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Okay, everyone, we have a friend returning with us, and I just think it's a, an appropriate time to do this since we're all getting outside now. The summer's here, we're enjoying the, the warmer temperatures. We have Dr. Abel Cunningham with us from 603 Bigfoot, and uh, he's going to share with us a little bit of background about with what he does with his uh, partner, Ricardo, and uh, if he has any updates for us from the, from the last time he was on the podcast. Dr. Abel Cunningham, welcome back to Papa Bear Hikes. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for having me back. It's great to be on the show again. For people that missed the first episode, could you give us a little bit of a background on what you, you do at 603 Bigfoot? Yeah, so at at six hundred three Bigfoot, um, our primary focus, unlike other other folks in the in the Bigfoot world, we're not out there trying to look for Bigfoot or prove the existence of Bigfoot. Um, that that's kind of a fool's errand. We 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 care about safety primarily, um, safety of of people and, and safety of Bigfoot because that's you know what that that's when problems arise is when there's aggressive Bigfoots. Then you have the danger of Bigfoot getting hurt or people getting hurt. Um, so I think you know, the last time we were on the show, Ricardo and I uh, talked about our the Bigfoot Awareness and Resistance Education Program, or BEAR for short, um, which is really designed to keep people safe from Bigfoot. And it's it's a response to uh, partly the you know the missing four one one phenomenon that uh, there's a series of movies, videos, YouTube videos out there by by a very honorable uh, police officer who was who was fired for for committing fraud from the police force but after that he's turned his life around and now he's exploiting the deaths of real people to make a profit um and and the the missing 411 cases uh are eerily similar in that um you know these people are going missing when they're outside when they're near rocks when they're near trees and when they're near water it's it's like really spooky so we started the bigfoot awareness resistance and education education program to to help prevent those sort of sort of tragedies and and to help prevent those those videos from being made because really they're they're not good videos um so that that was what we talked about on on the last podcast i believe um since then we've you know expanded our 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 safety focus we're we've started creating bumper stickers uh reminding people to break for Bigfoot when Bigfoot's in the road. Um, those have been selling quite well on, on Etsy and they are actually now in uh, Zeb's country store, which is a, which is a, a nice uh, gift shop up in the North Conway area of New Hampshire. Um, and the other thing that we've, we've, we've recently launched is the, the Bigfoot scene investigation response team. Um, so that's why Ricardo was not able to join us today. Unfortunately, he had to respond to an incident. Um, and, and the Bigfoot scene investigation, it, it, think of it like, you know, CSI crime scene in, investigation, but it's when there's an, you know, an incident with Bigfoot, we, we, we can rapidly respond anywhere in the state of New Hampshire, send out a response team, collect evidence and conduct a thorough scientific analysis. Abel, as you pointed out, a big part of what 603 Bigfoot does is it's it's awareness, right? And not just protecting people, but protecting Bigfoot. Do you think that there's been incidents or maybe exploiting situations where people are like, okay, well, somebody mysteriously got hurt in the whites. Um, it must have been Bigfoot. 
is does some of that happen? Um, yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's why, um, you know, there, there are things like missing 411 as an example, where people, you know, blame Bigfoot for things that maybe Bigfoot wasn't necessarily involved in. Um, and, and that's just, that's really not fair um, to Bigfoot. Uh, there, you know, most Bigfoots, Bigfoots are, are uh, you know, good, caring individuals. There are some bad ones out there, um, but that's part of what we want to spread awareness about is just, you know, breaking down some of those misconceptions, um, but also helping people be aware when they, when they legitimately are in danger. Because I just, you know, I was listening to you talk about this. I thought, you know, there's so many ways to get hurt up in the whites, as you know. You know, you're hiking up there. After time, your body becomes fatigued. You could start to be going through dehydration. And seasoned hikers have gotten hurt and even died up there. That's why I had to ask the question. Is like Bigfoot, I hate to, maybe I don't hate to put it this way. The lazy go-to is, well, we can't explain what happened to this person. So it must have been a Bigfoot encounter. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I think that's partly what happens in, in those missing 411 videos is, you know, there, there may be logical explanations behind some of those cases. I mean, in, there, Bigfoot does occasionally snatch people, you know, and he, he sells them to the lizard folk. Uh, you know, lizard folks survive on, on human blood. Um, so, you know, Bigfoot traffics, you know, human victims to the lizard folk. So that does happen. But uh, to your point, I mean, it's dangerous when you're out there. Uh, I think just about a week ago, a uh, hiker died in the White Mountains could, because they got caught in a snowstorm. Uh, it's, we're, and we're recording this in June. Um, so there's snow in June in the White Mountains. Like Things can really ha- turn bad quickly. And if you don't know uh, what to do, um, you could fall prey to the elements. You could fall prey to Bigfoot. or Maybe even the lizard folk, if if they venture out of their their subterranean caves, things can go sideways so quickly in the whites. Anybody that's hiked the Appalachian Trail or done any hike in the Northeast, anybody's familiar with hiking, you get the weather turns so quickly, so radically any time of year. And yeah, and when, once you're back there, I mean, I had one experience up in the whites where I ended up having to hike. 26 miles just to get back to the trailhead because the campground where I wanted to stay to was on the other side of a river that was flooded and we couldn't get across. So it turned into a marathon hike just to get back to the safety of the cars. Um, it's legitimately dangerous up there. Um, <clears throat> the elements, the mountains, and you know, the, the aggressive Bigfoots that are out there. As we know, there's other aggressive life out there. Bears can be aggressive. So we're not out euthanizing every bear, but when there's an aggressive one, it's dealt with by uh, park rangers or people responsible for overseeing the safety of humans. But not all bears are aggressive. Not all bears are dangerous. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's that's what we're trying to, we're trying to be, you know, like you can't just go out and shoot a bear because you think it's aggressive. Uh, I mean, you could do that, but you'd probably get in trouble with the authorities. Um, you, you know, you need to have an authorized person, someone who knows what they're dealing with to, to make that decision, whether the bear really needs to be euthanized or whether it can be relocated. Um, and that's what we seek to be is a similar thing for, you know, Bigfoot problem, Bigfoots, you know, sometimes they just need to be rehomed. 
Um, there's a, there's a video on my uh, on my YouTube channel um, where you know some associates and I encountered uh, a family of Bigfoot up in up in Coas County, so up past the White Mountains, um, and we were there to relocate them. Um, you know, we used uh, non lethal weapons to to scare them away. They were uh, threatening folks who are on the Ride the Wilds trails up there. The Ride the Wilds trails are you know, thousands of miles of ATV trails in Northern New Hampshire. And, you know, the last thing anybody needs is, is Bigfoot scaring away all the ATV tourists. Um, so, uh, just an example to your point, you know, not all, not all creatures that are causing problems are necessarily doing it to be aggressive. And, um, even if they are doing it to be aggressive, there, there are sometimes other options to relocate them to a safer area. Is Bigfoot being hunted? Is that, is that a concern of your organization that if the word gets out, there's, okay, there's a, a large group or congregation of them in, in this particular area that people might just want to go out there and be able to say, hey, I shot the first Bigfoot? Yeah. I mean, what is it? Oklahoma announced uh, probably about a year ago, they put a bounty, you know, I think it was, it was initially $30,000 for the the first person to to. Uh, kill a Bigfoot and present a body as evidence. I think since then, um, so when when they came out with that that offer, thirty thousand dollars to to kill a Bigfoot. I mean, first of all, unethical. Second of all, what a bunch of cheapskates. Thirty thousand dollars for Bigfoot. So uh, again, there's a video on my t- YouTube channel where uh, my benefactors agreed to to up that to fifty thousand um, dollars. You know, which at least you can buy a truck for that, you know, or, or you could before the pre COVID prices, $30,000. You can't even get, can't even get a decent pickup truck for that. Um, but now I think Oklahoma's raised the bounty to over a million dollars. Last I checked, um, my, my benefactors tapped out after that. We don't, we, we don't have that kind of money. Um, but I, yeah, that's, it's totally unethical. I mean, there are folks that believe that Bigfoot is, you know, a, a relative of humans similar to um, cavemen or something like that. Uh, and so to go out there and to try to actively hunt, um, it, it it's unethical. Uh, but I wouldn't put it past some of these people. I mean, just look at all the school shootings that we're having and everything. People are crazy. Um, so that's what I mean. We're, we're here to protect people from Bigfoot, but we're also here to protect Bigfoot from people. Is people are people kill more people than anything else? Yeah, because that's that's what goes through my mind. Yeah, there there are people out there, and unfortunately, I don't think they're in a small number that would no. rather than have a really crisp, clean photograph of Bigfoot would love to be able to say, "Look, I am the guy that or the person who shot Bigfoot, and I'm going to get him stuffed and put in my garage, maybe drive to extinction." Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the good news is that that hasn't happened yet. And and I think part of the reason that hasn't happened yet is, uh, you know, Bigfoot is a highly intelligent creature. It's, it's, you know, not, not like hunting a deer where, you know, pretty much anyone can figure out how to hunt a deer. Uh, you have to be very intelligent, very knowledgeable about their habits and behavior. So some, some hillbilly with a, with a shotgun mounted in the back of his F-150 is probably not going to come across Bigfoot and be able to get a good good shot at it. And I think that's probably why that hasn't happened. Not to say it will never happen. Um, but, uh, you know, it takes some skill to find Bigfoot and to, 
uh, allow, uh, get close enough for them to allow you to even, you know, get a shot with a high powered rifle. And I think that's why, you know, we haven't seen anything like that happen yet. People like yourself and your partner, Ricardo, you've dedicated a lot of time into not only getting information, passing it, making information available to other people, but being able to go out there and seeking Bigfoot out in the wild. How'd you go about doing that? Um, You know, I've pretty much dedicated my life to this. You know, I went, I went to school, uh, studied um, all sorts of sciences and I actually got uh, the university of New Hampshire to, to issue me a doctorate in, in Bigfoot science. Um, and that was really by studying, um, all the ologies I could think of, you know, biology, ornithology, uh, dendrology. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, I, again, there's a video on my YouTube channel that talks about how, and why I became a Bigfoot scientist. Um, but for me, it's, it's more about finding the truth. Um, I think some of those people that you see, especially on TV, they're just out there to get on TV and get a paycheck. Um, I, I, I don't make a lot of money doing what I do. It's not very lucrative. Um, but it's, it makes me happy. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time out outdoors in the forest with my, with my two Bigfoot hounds. And, um, you know, I, I put a lot of thought and, and work into it. Um, it's not something, you know, similar to what we were talking about with the, the, the hillbillies with the shotgun coming across Bigfoot. Like you're not going to come across Bigfoot with a camera crew following you around. Um, so that's why we don't do that sort of thing. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. We're just here about the truth, uh, spreading awareness and, you know, helping, helping protect people and Bigfoot. There are a lot of people out there who are very passionate about finding big, Bigfoot or having Bigfoot sightings because I believe Bigfoot has been sighted in one form or another in every state in the United States at this point. Yeah, pretty much, including in places that, that you wouldn't expect to see Bigfoot. I mean, if you look at a BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Research, Research Organization, they have sightings that happen like behind Home Depot. in in a couple hundred yards of of vast wilderness. Uh, So some of those you have to take with a grain of salt, right? Like you're really seeing Bigfoot behind Home Depot or is that a homeless dude? Uh, But yeah, I think, I think some of them, you know, you can't discount all of them. Uh, A lot of those people are, are, you know, good hearted folks who are just reporting what they, what they've seen. Now I'm going to ask you this. You're an expert in this field. But what about the novice that now decides in their free time on their weekends, they're going to go out into the woods and start looking for Bigfoot. Uh, For example, not far from where I live, I went on the website and saw that there was a Bigfoot sighting. I think it might've been over 20 years ago, not far from where I live. So a group of people, they're novices at this. They're going to go out into the woods in that area and see if they could find a Bigfoot or a family in their area. What advice would you give to them? going out and doing something like that? Um, the first advice I would give is is to find Bigfoot or to even get remotely close to Bigfoot. You have to have an under, like a good understanding of the outdoors in general. And so that uh, understanding, appreciation, and being able to read sign, like what is natural sign and what is not natural sign. 
and that's where I see a lot of the people making mistakes. Um, you know, the, 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 the moderator of the Bigfoot forum on Reddit, for example, who has banned me for some unknown reason, but he shared his personal encounter that happened on, um, an Island in, in Vancouver that has the world's highest density of black bears per square mile. This Island has the world's highest density. And he came across a single footprint in a trail that was clearly, according to him, a Bigfoot footprint. Well, I think anyone who knows anything about the outdoors would have been able to distinguish whether that was really a Bigfoot footprint or whether maybe that was just one of the tens of thousands of black bears that are on that tiny little island. Um, so that that would be my advice. Yes, uh, get outdoors, look for Bigfoot if you want, but spend some time studying things that are documented about nature. You know, what what plants grow in your area, what animals are there natively, where are the behaviors of those animals, what are the signs of those animals, the footprints, not just the footprints, but what they do to, to the trees to modify the environment. Um, you know, porcupines. If you see a bunch of broken hemlock branches on the ground, you know, that's a sign that porcupines are in the area. That's Bigfoot doesn't break off fresh hemlock branches. Porcupines do that because they eat the bark. Um, so that would be my advice. Um, you know, the good thing about people being interested in Bigfoot is they get outside. Um, something that gets them outside, but do so in a thoughtful and educated way. Don't just be looking at every broken branch and assuming it's Bigfoot or looking at every, uh, you know, impression in the mud and thinking that's a Bigfoot footprint when it might be explained by other more common phenomenon. And that's why I enjoy having you on, Abel, is because, you know, I just try to encourage people to get outside and enjoy the outdoors. And when I came across what you guys were doing, I thought, wow, this is really important. And this is, could be a way for people to get out and enjoy the outdoors, but we want to make sure they're doing it safely. I'm glad you point that out. Uh, but back to the whole idea of people knowing nature, there are some really big black bears, never mind grizzlies. And mm-hmm. if you're out there hunting for Bigfoot and you see some scratches high up on a tree or uh, some really big prints, you, you might start talking yourself into thinking you're on the track of a Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, I I was out in my uh, in my Jeep the other day with with one of my friend's kids when we were going fishing and um, we saw, we saw uh, initially I thought maybe it was Bigfoot. It was a black bear standing up on its hind legs, just watching us as we drove down the Jeep trail. Um, and if you've never seen something like that in the wild, it's, it's pretty on awe inspiring. You know, they're, they're ta- They're taller than the average human when they're standing, standing on their hind legs. Um, and, yeah, to your point, I think a lot of things get misinterpreted as Bigfoot evidence, and that's that's why we try not to get into that. We try, we're we're try more about the educational awareness and safety aspect of it. Um, but yeah, get outside, but but do it in in an educated way, and look for Bigfoot. I you know I take witness encounters on my website uh, www.603bigfoot.com. If you do come across Bigfoot and you want to share a story, I'm happy happy to publish it, anonymous or not. Um, but yeah, get outside, enjoy the outside, and, and maybe you'll find Bigfoot. Now, on your website, do you, do you talk about that at all? Of maybe how somebody can distinguish the difference between the print of a bear and a 
and a Bigfoot or, you know, scat's another way that people that are, that know the outdoors, right? They could look at scat and say, okay, that's from this animal or likely to be from this size of an animal. Um, I don't actually, but that's a good suggestion. Uh, that might be something that I, that I consider adding in the near future that I think that would be a helpful, helpful guide. How to distinguish not just footprints, but other signs that you come across in the wild. What is Bigfoot? What is not Bigfoot? I think, you know, it could be fun to get out there and think you're tracking Bigfoot, but if you're in grizzly territory and you're, you might find yourself tracking a very aggressive and big grizzly bear. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Oh, it, yeah, exactly. Or, or a person. Yeah, I, I, I think that people are the most dangerous animals out there, and there, there are uh, crazy people out there in the wilderness. Um, one time backpacking in in the Green Mountains in Vermont, I came across uh, my my associates and I were five miles from the closest road. We came across a man wearing a shower cap, carrying a badminton racket. And holding a tiny, one of those tiny little fluffy dogs. I don't know what they are, a Pomeranian or something like that. Five miles from the middle of nowhere, barefoot dude carrying a badminton racket and wearing a shower cap in the, in the wilderness of Vermont. Um, I don't know who he was, but someone should have captured him and sent him to the authorities. Uh, but to your point, you know, you, you don't know what those, if you're not sure what those footprints are, you might not want to be following them. Could be a grizzly bear. Could be a black bear. It could be a crazy guy who walks around the wood bare, woods barefoot looking for his next victim. And I want to point out that I've interviewed so many through hikers over the past 200, 250 episodes or more. And I'd say well, probably well into the 90% of them would tell you the biggest threat on the trail is humans. Mm-hmm. It's not bear, snakes, or Bigfoot. It's human encounters. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's, it's scary to think about, especially the, the, you know, the females in our lives that we love, like, you know, you want to encourage them to get out there and do things in, in the wilderness, but it's also, it's also scary, you know, they're, they're, you know, at risk of being victims to other people out there if they're, if they're not careful and they don't know what they're doing and they don't have the right protection. Um, so you, you're right. People are people are the scariest animals out there. I'll take my chances with Bigfoot any day. Since we talked, have there been any new developments up in New Hampshire? Any sightings worth talking about? Um, I've shared some on my website. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we're most proud of is, is since we've, we've launched the Bigfoot awareness, resistance and education program, there've been zero Bigfoot attacks on humans in the state of New Hampshire. 
Um, so, you know, we, we're, we're batting a thousand. We have a hundred percent safety record. Uh, since we started this program, we've, we've, we've brought those attacks down to zero. Um, trying to think about one of the, one of the most recent, uh, encounters, um, that I published. There was one, um, there was one, uh, the most recent one that I published it was, uh, I thought it was fitting to publish in the month of June because June being uh, Pride Month and all, it was a, a story of two friends, one of whom happened to be gay. They were out fishing and um, they were confronted by some, you know, homophobic rednecks to use the, the witnesses language. Um, one thing led to another. The encounter turned violent. Um, and Bigfoot actually came to the rescue of the two friends and, and saved them just when things were looking really grim. Um, so that, that, that's, that story is available on my website. Um, I've been trying to do, uh, illustrations for each of the stories that I, each of the witness encounters that I publish. Um, so there's also an illustration. I'm not the greatest artist, but there's at least something that you can see there. Um, so that, that's the most recent encounter that actually didn't happen recently. It just got published recently. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I, I'm ready to publish another story about my, uh, my uncle one hand Manny. Um, and the, the real story, which I only just discovered recently, um, Manny passed about uh, a year ago and, um, one of his lifelong friends had sort of, sent me a letter sharing the, all the details of, you know, uncle Manny, he, they called him one hand Manny, but he actually had two hands. Um, they only called him one hand Manny cause he refused to fight with two hands. Um, and that, that was out of fairness for the other guy. So he would, he would only fight with his left hand. Um, and the, the letter that I received, you know, a few months after Manny's passing, explained why he only fought with one hand and, and how he had actually fought off a Bigfoot with, with just the one hand. Um, so that one hasn't been published yet, but I'll probably publish it, you know, within the next day or two. And this is all available on your website. Yep. Uh, 603bigfoot.com. I, I want to go back to something you talked about right after I asked the question, you know, about the, uh, the couple who were attacked and Bigfoot came to the rescue. I had interviewed a woman about nine months ago or so, she came on to talk about paranormal sightings in the outdoors. Uh, it was back in October, actually. We were talking about ghosts and, and those sort of things. And we got on the topic of Bigfoot. And her belief is that we may be so closely linked. You know, the, the evolution, we've evolved so much, so little from Bigfoot that there could be an intelligence there that we're not aware of. Yeah, that's one of the theories that's that's out there is that, you know, Bigfoot is just as intelligent as we are. But instead of directing that intelligence towards, um, you know, production of goods and how to use an iPhone and things like that, they use that intelligence to just know everything that they possibly can about nature and the environment that they live in. And that's why it's so difficult to get close to them. And, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you think about it if you dedicated a hundred percent of your brain power to avoiding humans and living off the land, you know, you could probably do a pretty good job of it. And, uh, even if Bigfoot was only 90% as intelligent as we are, you'd still be able to do a pretty good job of it. Um, so, you know, it, it's a theory that's out there. 
Now, earlier you mentioned uh, there are aggressive Bigfoots out there and they have taken people into captive. And is it lizard folk, lizard folks that they bring them to? I'm not familiar yeah. with that. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, the lizard folk, um, you know, Hillary Clinton, a lot of people believe is, is a lizard, is a lizard person, um, you know they feed off the blood of, of, of humans and that's how they get their sustenance. Um, but they're, they're, they don't like to venture out of their, their subterranean caves. Um, and so that's where, where these, uh, you know, rogue Bigfoot come in, in, into play is the, the, you know, we talked a little bit about porcupines earlier. Um, I think I've, I've managed to crack open the, the case for the missing 411 phenomenon and, and porcupines are the, essentially the missing link. Um, I don't know how much you know about porcupines, but they—they are the only animal known to man that will intentionally defecate in the entrance way to their own uh, den. Um, so that's the surest way to tell that there's porcupines in the area. There'll be a small little cavity, uh, whether it's in a tree, in a hollow tree, or between two rocks, something like that. They—they they make their their dens in these you know, little hollows and they defecate in the entryway. So they literally have to walk through their own feces to go in and out of their, of their home. Um, and I really came to the conclusion that the reason that they do that is to keep others out of their lair, um, because who wants to walk through a pile of porcupine scat? Um, and you know, they, like I said, they live in hollow trees or under rocks. Um, and I think those, those dens are actually passageways to the underworld. So they, the porcupines essentially serve as middlemen between the lizard folk and uh, Bigfoot on the surface. And they'll, they'll broker deals between the lizard folk and Bigfoot um, for human flesh. And that's what explains the missing 411 phenomenon. You know, people go missing near rocks and trees. Where do porcupines live in hollow trees and under rocks? Um, and, you know, I think that's what's happening. Again, there's illustrations out there on my website. There's a detailed explanation. If, if what I said isn't clear enough, you can, you can read it. I, I've thought about making an explainer video, um, but just been too busy with other, you know, Bigfoot stuff. Hey, but what's, what do you see in the future for uh, 603 Bigfoot? I know it, Ricardo is right now out on a, uh, doing an investigation, it sounds like, but mm -hmm. In addition to investigating the sightings and the education, what else do you have uh, down the line for you guys? Well, I think we'd, we'd like to just continue what we're doing. Um, hopefully we can bro broaden our audience a bit um, because like, I, like we've talked about, we're all about education and awareness. Um, so the more you know, visibility that we can get, if we can get on other podcasts like this one, if we can do you know, some shows on TV potentially, that would be the ultimate goal. But um, that's that's I don't see us changing direction dramatically. You know, we're not going to turn into into Mad Money Maker and try to get on TV looking for Bigfoot. Like that's silly. But we'd be happy to get on Bigfoot to get on TV to talk about Bigfoot and uh, to share the science behind our investigations and and to spread sort of the knowledge that we've developed over over the years. Um, that that would be the goal. I've thought about writing uh, writing an autobiography, Doctor Abel Cunningham. You know, one of the, one of the reasons why I enjoy talking to you. I had you on once. I had you back on. Is I really respect the fact that 
you go about you go about this with a scientific approach. Yeah, appreciate that. I, yeah, and I, I think that that brings a lot of credibility to the table when people are doing that. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how many people get offended by my PhD or d- try to discredit it. Um, it's kind of disheartening, but it is what it is. Well, you keep fighting the good fight here because, like I said, education is so important. And if you look throughout our <laughs> natural history or man history of man, there's been a lot of things where sometimes for centuries people are saying, oh, if the world's flat, you're just going to go off the side of the earth. But some scientist, some person with scientific background, somebody dedicated to using science to prove something, eventually comes along and proves it or proves it to be false. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What's scary about the times that we live in now is that science is almost a dirty word. You know, there's almost an intentional mistrust of science and scientists. Um, I feel like that's, that's harmed my reputation, but it's also held us back as a, as a country. And there can almost be a social psychology link to that. Are we afraid of the truth? Yeah, exactly. I I think, I think we hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think to add on to your question, the the question about the next question would be, is there a reason that people are afraid? Of, have they been conditioned to be afraid of the truth because the truth benefits? Somebody's benefiting it from us not all know seeking out the truth. Right. And yeah, the truth can suck sometimes. Let's face it. Uh-huh. We're not always happy when we hear the truth. Yep. Uh, in closing, I want to talk about your YouTube channel a little bit because that's something that uh, – you're doing now that you weren't last time we were talking. And I noticed you're starting to get some videos up there. You're getting a lot of views. Tell us a little bit about the YouTube channel. Yeah. So I, I fully admit I'm not the greatest YouTuber. I don't have the best videography skills or the best uh, editing skills, but I've been, been doing my best. And I've, I've, I've tried to put out um, variety of content. Some, you know, my early videos are showing some of the evidence that I found locally here in New Hampshire, um, I did a series of videos that are essentially recounting the witness encounters that I, that are you know published in writing on my website. Um, and so it's a it's a mix of that sort of thing. And then I I do other sort of scientific experiments there. I you know I made exploding arrows. Uh, I just published one today where I show people how to. Uh, this is maybe a niche, but uh, show people how to free up the clutch on a motorcycle. You know, when you don't run your motorcycle in a while, your clutch gets stuck. And, uh, you know, a lot of people try to take everything all apart and you don't have to do that. So I tried to save some people some time by just sharing my my knowledge. Um, so, you know, I, I'd i love to hear from your listeners, you know, what, what category of video they'd like to see more, whether it's the witness encounters, whether it's the evidence, the how-to videos. Um, I'm just kind of trying to put things out there and see what sticks. Well, from what I could see, it looks like you're doing a fine job. And hey, Dr. Abel Cunningham, we'll put the links, all your links in our description. But if one more time, could you just give us the website and the YouTube channel for people that want to go check out your videos as well? Yeah, it's, it's super simple. So everything is 603 Bigfoot. So 603, for those who aren't aware, is the area code in New Hampshire. I think we're probably one of the only states that still has only one area code. Um, but that, that's how you remember it, 603 area code for New Hampshire, Bigfoot. So the website 603bigfoot.com, YouTube channel is 603 underscore Bigfoot. And then Instagram is is the easiest for me to use. So that's where I share a lot of, a lot of content. 
Um, and likewise, that's 603 underscore Bigfoot. Um, so you can find me by any of those means or by searching Abel Cunningham. I think I'm, I think I'm the only Abel Cunningham out there. All right, Dr. Abel Cunningham, once again, thanks for giving up your time and sharing this information with us. And uh, everybody, go check out his YouTube channel, go to his website. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer in Bigfoot, this is really interesting stuff. And as I pointed out, Abel is doing this from a scientific approach, not just running around with cameras and flashlights in the woods. It's, it's really worth looking at. And do it with an open mind, please. Abel, thanks again for coming on Papa Bear Hikes. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Everybody get outside, have some fun, and be safe. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so yet, go to our website, papabearhikes.com. Listen to past episodes. Check us out on social media. Go to our YouTube channel, Martin Outside. All those links are there. In addition to that, you can buy our book or see what you're missing out on if you're not a Patreon member yet. Remember to get outside, have fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.